the Yak Babies. Sex, Presidents, and Sometimes Books. Welcome to Yak Babies, a podcast on the internet sponsored by Kumquats. No, not that cum. My name's Aaron here, my personal pals, Dave. Hey, boys. We have Brick. And no longer calling from overseas, but in person, right in front of me, in front of my very fucking eyes, old Irish Nico, actually new American Nico. (laughs) Hello. Hi. Appropriate that we have new American Nico in front of me. getting aggressive. <laughs> Between kumquats and your fucking, part of my fucking eyes. Appropriate to have New American Nico here because this is a New American Nico topic. Nico, tell us about this. What's going on here? Well, this was to go with our George Saunders conversation, but, that, but it might still. Not, it still might. We're, we're yeah. out pretty far. We know, we know uh, where it's going. So I had some strong reactions to the Saunders book. Yeah, and I this is a we swimming pool in the rain. Take our yeah. So the the Saunders book about. Learning to write. Yeah. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that sounds harsher than it is. I think it's about learning to read. I don't think it really teaches anybody to write. Yep. So I just said we should come up with some hot takes about writing, about learning to write, about... You left out the part where it was supposed to be about writing. Uh, Well, (laughs) what did you think it was going to be about? Fucking candy? There's like books in general. Yeah. Oh, Uh, yeah. That's fine. Okay, so... Only one of mine is related to that. That's fine. That's fine. So Nico, to books? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you in general? Yeah, I thought wow, that was okay. the point. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so I mean, Nico and two, Brick both did their homework and came with hot takes. Dave and I did not. We were delinquent. And so we were going to start with Nico and Brick's hot takes, and then Dave and I will have our hot takes evolve from this conversation. I think they're out there. We just need to be inspired. Mm-hmm. So Nico, why don't you go first? Tell us your hot take and we'll discuss. All right. I'm going to go in increasing order of okay. heat. Okay. So this, is, <laughs> this is the mild the, take. The coldest hot take. Okay. I think that MFA students should not try to write or study literary novels. They should write and study thrillers because writing character is comparatively easy once you can write a plot. Ooh. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> That's your coldest hot take? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't agree. I don't agree either. Tell us why. Tell me more about this. Well, so I think that – I think part of it is that I I think that the the kind of writing that Saunders is teaching, which is mostly presentation, mostly has to do with how you communicate things to the reader, but not how you construct stories. There's, there's, there's like one chapter that's about constructing stories, kind of, but most of it is about like, here are the details that add up to this perception that, that you have as a reader. I think that is pretty advanced level writing. And I think before you get to that, you should study more like a screenplay class where you study story structure, you study three, you know, the three act structure, you study shit like that so that you have a, fa- a story foundation to hang all of your all of your character work on. Yeah, I'm with you on that. You lost me when you said character is easy. Well, I think it's it's easier to write later. In other words, character is easier to to add to a story once you have the story. There's especially those character details that Saunders talks about. So hmm. like a lot of a lot of swimming the pond in the rain is uh, how characters are presented, how character details add up, how patterns reveal things about characters. But also characters' actions. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. things they do. Like there's like some things they sort of choose to do in the story. Yeah. Which would be like plot, right? Yeah. But okay. I think I think that kind of stuff is is easier to add. Hmm. I think it's easier to go back and add those details and deepen your presentation of a character than it is to go back and add a plot. Hmm. What's the take? It's not that character is easier. It was that MFA students should only learn or should only write or read thrillers. So, Not I mean, only, but first. first. I agree the notion that it would be helpful to learn as a writer from something beyond exclusively literary novels. I think that's true. Yeah. And that there should be a broader approach to reading that includes thrillers or other sort of like plot sort of based stories or sort of plot focused stories because a lot of what we see coming out of MFA programs it's the kind of things that we don't like with those sense of stories mm-hmm. are it's not even obsessive focus on character as much as just like pastiche of of the literary greats of yesteryear right it just it becomes like a bad a bad update or a bad Roth right um I mean, so to take take an example, like the first story that Saunders talks about is in the cart, and he and he does that thing where he like breaks it up page by page, and even nine pages into an eleven page story, he's like, "This isn't a story yet." Right. This still has to become a story, and he's like, "What is going to happen? It has to be the most important thing that happens to her in her life." And then the eleventh page comes, and he, and he says. Well, that wasn't probably the most important thing, you know. It it'll probably fade away, and it won't even she won't even remember in a few weeks. Right. That is maddening to me. Hmm. Like to to set up these these ways of defining a story and defining how you construct a story, and then to complete to immediately invert them. Mm-hmm. I think that should be the last the last step on your how to how to learn to write journey, and the first one should be here's a story that embodies these things that I'm telling you hmm. that are, that is actually the, the most important day of the main character's life. You want to hear my first hot take? <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, character is more important than plot. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wrote that down. That's here. <laughs> okay. This is like your parents fighting in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell us more brick. Well, let's go. So I think, I think great characterization can carry an almost non-existent plot because I think the plot can then come through emotions and through whatever things hmm. I think no matter how good your plot is, if the character sucks, it doesn't matter. Hmm. But I also think that they are inextricable from each other. Hmm. I would agree in a short story that a character, that a good characterization can carry something without a plot. Sure. And I think it could carry you for 30 page, maybe 50 pages. But I think in a novel character with no plot, collapses well so yes but also i think it depends on how you define plot right because i think if plot is action then i think there can be novels that don't have a ton of it that still work right so yes but i don't think think without action there's no character there's only talking about character well i just the action doesn't need to be physical right so yeah but the action but the action has to reveal the character not what they think about themselves but what they are yes Agreed. But without the action, there's... yeah. But you can you can accomplish that with a sort of like cookie cutter plot. You know, you can follow those uh-huh. eleven eleven forms or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But that's different from not having that. That would be yeah. That would be fine. I think that's yeah. something that and the eleven forms of plot. I think that's something that 
would be useful to learn if you're learning to write. Yeah, you're correct. In, even if you're going to throw everything you, you learn about plot out and, and you want to advance beyond that, that's fine. But you should still know it. Oh, yeah. You should definitely. And you should do it well. Yeah. So, like, when Saunders says that he doesn't like to use the word plot, yeah. that, to me, it's it's like teaching a class about photography and saying we're not going to talk about composition. Sure. Well, to be fair to Saunders here, not that I have to defend him, I guess, but, like, he's teaching a class of advanced writers. Like, he's not teaching an intro, like, yeah. creative mm-hmm. writing class. He's teaching to people who are, like, in a, like advanced workshop. So sure. He even That's says fair. in the book, like, I assume the people who are taking this class know their shit and, like, mm-hmm. they're... They're already good writers trying to figure out how to make them great writers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The story in there about the singing contest, this is going to end up just being a Saunders episode. <laughs> <laughs> Not much in the way of plot there, right? They get together, they sing, it's over, is the whole plot. And I right. I really didn't like that story until I read his essay, and then I went back and read it again, and I got it. Mm-hmm. And that, I still don't know if I like it, but I definitely appreciated it, and like I liked his reading of the story, mm-hmm. and... yeah. His reading of the story helped me see that as a much better story than I did on my own. Yeah. Why? Because it, it sharpened the characters. Because I think I was, when I first read it, I said, this is a bunch of nice characterizations with no plot. Hmm. Uh, and I liked them, but it wasn't enough to come together. And then when he sort of started talking about, like, you can only, if the, if the climactic action is a contest and it's a book, like, you need to create the, the judges and the audience, right? And, like, for some reason that didn't make sense to me until it did. Right. So it, there was a plot there. It just wasn't the action of the story, really, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's that's what I mean, though, about that. I think that book is great for teaching you how to read. Like that, all those kinds of moments where he's like drawing things out of, of the stories, I think are great. I think you're right but on I, that. I wrote in my notes, when, in, in my reading notes of the book, like this is a book about how to read, not how to write. I don't even know if that's a controversial take. I mean, it, truth is, be, in order to be a good writer, you got to be a good reader, so it doesn't... Yeah, that could be a coldest hot take. Yeah. All right, should I, should I do another one? Aaron, well, you seem to be pondering. <laughs> Dave, have you formulated a hot take? No. no. That's a no from Dave. The rest of mine have nothing to do with books, so... Okay. Yeah, I haven't either. Nico, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I think too many writers conflate presentation of character with substance of character. And so there's one part where Saunders says, this is just, this is the Saunders episode (laughs) where where he says that like that one of the writers creates a character Mm -hmm. when he first writes this line, but that's not how he creates a character. It's how it's presenting it to the reader. And I think that kind of like what I said before, that, 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 that presentation, that how you show or really how you tell a reader what somebody's character is. Uh, is not the substance of their character, and that substance is revealed when they do. So. Okay, this is just the same as the first point. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, we got plot to is it. more important than character. <laughs> we got to it. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> should I just skip to the to the third one? Yes. Um, uh, all right, here we go. Uh, stories that are yeah, just. Did about... you see Aaron's face? <laughs> yeah. Stories that are just about character and have no plot, like in the cart, are just poems. They should be considered a different genre because there's no story. Okay. Wait, can you repeat it? <laughs> uh, stories like in the cart, which have no plot, they just have presentation of a character, should be considered poems because there's there's no story to them. I mean, I... Uh... <laughs> 
I guess so. I mean, I guess I, it's hard to argue against that. Or, or if, I mean, I, there's no point. But, but I guess what I'm running up against thinking this through is that it seems like you're saying that plot can't be... Plot must have a, a scope that's appropriate... Like, there is plot in, in the car. Yeah. Like, things happen. Like, there's a sequence of events for sure. The story it begins and ends in different places, and events occur in a telling of a story that, that aren't the same thing over and over again. So that's a plot. <laughs> it's not thrilling, certainly. And it's not... It's a minute... Right. That's, it's a subtle... It's a, it's a small shift in someone's life, right? But is it a shift? Because, I mean, like, even... In time, yes. It's, a, the, it's a progression through time. But at the end, you know he mentions how it's already slipping away and it's probably, she's probably not going to remember this day. That doesn't right. mean it's not important, especially within the scope of the story. Yeah. I mean, there's still a I mean, there's... plot to it yeah. regardless of whether she'll remember it in a year or 10 years or 10 I think days. That's part of the, that's part of the sadness of the story, right? Like, isn't that, isn't that then part of the plot that it's fleeting and that it like her, the little bit of happiness she got sucked. And then also that doesn't last. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I will mean, grant that a story where nothing much happens can be dissatisfying, certainly. And that's that's fine. I, I, I sign on that for sure. If you want to call it poetry, like, that's, I guess, I don't know. It's not. It just seems like you want to denigrate literary fiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is, you know, hot takes for a reason. Sure. <laughs> There's a reason that that was the hottest hot take. But I think even literary fiction, like, I think, I don't think every plot needs to move a mountain to be good. Right. So, in, in fact, I think sometimes some of the most rewarding stories are the ones that the plot is not immediately apparent, and you got to work for it a little bit, right? Ulysses has come up a lot lately, but that's one, right? Or, you know, way lower brow things, like, like fucking Seinfeld, right? Half of those episodes, nothing happens. They literally called it the show about where nothing happens, right? But on a, in a 22-minute period, there's an arc and there's movement and there, there's something to be gained from that, even if at the end they all kind of bleed together, right? Right. And I think that's true. I think there's lots of bad... I think literary fiction takes this on the chin because too many people swing for the fences and fucking fail. Right. And you mm -hmm. you are exposed when you don't know how to write a plot or you don't know how to write a character. And then it comes up short. And you're, I don't think you're as exposed in something that the plot like an adventure story or a mystery or whatever, like it requires a twist to finish. Right. It needs that's that's like a like a visceral like something needs to change at the end in order for that form to find its shape. And short stories that are more about emotion or, or a character arc still need that, but it needs it with, like, fishing line or, like, silk strands as opposed to a, a steel cable. Does that make sense? Like, it, it needs to be woven in subtly and... I think something still needs to change. It does, but it needs to be... I think, like, I think the change in the cart was really nice, right? And it doesn't mean it needs to be permanent and forever, right? Something changed in the moment, and that was the culminating moment of that story. Uh, and that doesn't mean her life is better or worse, right? But that just because she doesn't fundamentally become a different person doesn't mean there's not change within the story. I don't know. Aaron doesn't look like he agrees with me. Uh, no, neither, uh, neither disagree nor disagree. Dave, do you have thoughts on this? I think I'm with Rick on that. I mean, there is change. It's not, it's not lasting change. But I don't think it has to be. I mean, I don't, I just, I can't find a way to the, 
I, there, you just never can convince me that this is a, would you say a prose poem rather than a story just because poetry, mm-hmm. there's no like earth shattering. That's two out of five on the hot scale. No, that was, that was the one. That oh, was, that was hot. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Brick, let's hear your next. They're literally not related to <laughs> books or George Saunders. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> you have to get a little yeah, upset about Saunders to talk about. <laughs> All right. Uh, the internet is humanity's greatest invention, but also we were better off without it. Okay. I don't even know if that's a hot take. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess I... That we were better off without it? Yeah. I think it kind of magnifies everything. So it magnifies the good that yeah. it's possible to do, and it magnifies the shitty people. Yeah, I think I agree with that. That it maybe just, like, accelerates what was going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dave, what are your thoughts on the internet? Do you know what it is? <laughs> <laughs> it's that uh, Kevin Smith movie where... What the fuck is the internet? What the fuck is the internet? <laughs> Dave is calling on Zoom through a rotary dial telephone. <laughs> 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 he has to put in right. 75 So we just agree with hour. that then. All right. Were we better off with the, off the internet? I don't know. That might just be like a wish. Better for, off. I don't. As, I a, mean, as, how, a, as, a, as a species that has a fun. chance to survive. You mean yeah, I often wish we didn't have it, I guess. But. Yeah, me too. As much as I use it every day, mm-hmm. and it's hard to imagine my life without it. Yeah, and probably a lot of things that you would think of as like important changes or important like um shifts in mindset came about through like that kind of rapid interconnectivity and sort of sharing of of mindset that wouldn't have happened if we were still kind of in these cloistered regional that's what makes it a story (laughs) (laughs) okay check in with dave again dave have you formulated a hot take yet no no still not i'm on the precipice of one okay my Uh, next one's pretty politically okay skip it Uh, i i don't know I'm going to skip it. Oh, you have more? Let me me just uh, tag on to your internet thing. I think it's tough to take the internet out without, like, does that mean we don't have computers? Yep. Does that mean that we go backwards in time? I think on the whole, the world is is better than it was 50 years ago. That's true. Yes. But if we just take out the internet, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the the it's it's always I don't know those things are always like there's trade offs there's or there's like a sort of you can look at things that are sort of negative consequences of interconnectivity like that and positive ones and I don't know if you can ever like truly weigh them out in terms of ultimate good or ultimate bad but certainly like any technology it's going to come with negatives and positives. You tipped over the precipice yet? No. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we can always do a part two. I'm gonna skip my political one because it's gonna be too depressing. Okay. This one. Maybe not a hot take, but I think it might be. Pizza should always have pineapple on it. No. That's oh. a horrible thing. <laughs> yeah, no, poor. Poor. It's insane. Uh, I should probably skip my last one, too, because it might open That's up That's just a leg wounds. take. <laughs> <laughs> it might open up what? Some wounds. Oh, boy. Okay. Mm. Superman? No. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've litigated Superman in this podcast enough. We've We've reached our positions and they're they're uh, entrenched it's fine did you get over the precipice yet well not really i mean like well, i guess what i wanted to say was it's kind of built to what nico was talking about earlier is like what i see happening in my creative writing classes and granted this is these are young writers most of them are not even writers they're people who are majoring in engineering or whatever and, and want to try writing or are used to write when they're in middle school and are you know want to get a kick of it again before they graduate you know a lot of students will will talk about in their first day of class like oh yeah i used to love writing it used to be my favorite thing and i, I just haven't done it forever because school takes all, all my time and i'm really excited to write again and they really they talk about it with like this kind of this glowing thing of like writing really matters to them it's really important to them mm-hmm. and they have lots of references they, they read a lot 
uh, or seem to have read a lot, but it's almost all YA. Hmm. Uh, mm. Highly plot-driven stuff like that. When they write stories, I tell them, I was like, you have to have like four things, basically. My class is like, you have, to have four things. You have to have some kind of character dynamic. The character has to do something and has to change of some kind. They have to do something. They have to go somewhere. The plot has to move forward in some direction. There has to be some kind of like sort of setting and there has to be some sort of like reason this whole thing has to exist, right? There's some sort of like larger motivation for you too as a writer besides just like they went to the store. If you can't figure out why they went to the store for you, that's not going to hold up. And they can't do plot. Like it's interesting how they've read, they've read so many YA novels, it seems at least. But what they've learned from that is not plot. They've learned world building. And so they write these stories that are just like Mogwan sat on a hill and thought about the kingdom that he lived in. And then it goes like back in the early septo year of 19 octonaut or whatever. It's like, it's like goes on forever. And then 20 pages later, Magwa gets up from his spot on the hill after thinking about the history of the town and goes and sees his mom. That's like it. It's like, mm-hmm. what happened here? Like, this is just a history <laughs> lesson of a fake place. Uh, it's like really weird. And so just, you write just the info dump. Seriously, it's just. But but it, what's funny is that that's what they love. Like they yeah. all talk about it. and They all like really love world building. They want to build worlds. They want to imagine. Like I, I also mentioned this too. Like they they always come in with these plans for like five novel series there was like right. this is gonna be the first novel of like a five novel it's like we're doing short stories first of all and second of all like let's start with a one page story and then try and go from there right so what's interesting is that they had this ambition but it seems like the accumulation of the details of the world is enough almost like as long mm-hmm. as there's a place to to be in and sort of conceive of action happening there that's fine but they can't get to well i gotta make choices on the actual action then like at some point right. if you establish this like vast history it has to be consequential. Like someone has to either like change the history or like, you know, change tradition or whatever or do something. So I guess my hot take is that kids are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and you hate them. It's not, <laughs> no, I, I, no, I really don't. I like their writing. It's tr- frustrating and challenging, uh, but I enjoyed the challenge of it. But it's that why a, the emphasis on, world building and YA mm. is more about training young readers, potential writers to become IP managers yep. than it is to become writers. Hmm. And they're much more focused on whether they know it or not. And they often don't. Yeah. Uh, they're focused on potential for franchising as opposed to right. what is character doing? Why is that? Important? That's maybe not a hot take. That's just an observation. I yeah. Guess. I think that's the least hot, hot take. Of Probably all. so. Like I can't, I can't really disagree with that. Tab yeah. take. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm a tepid man, so what can I say? Yeah, I mean, when I was first writing, like, in high school, like, looking back on that, my stories always came out as, like, you know, way too subtle, you yeah. know, way too nuanced. And I was trying to, you know, write, like, you know, like, those literary short stories where, kind of like in the cart, where somebody has a realization, and then they go, kind of go back to their lives. And they were terrible. Nothing consequential happened. It's so easy to aim for in the cart and veer off into nothing. Hmm. And so that, that's why I, I'm not saying that in the cart is a bad story. I'm saying that it's a bad story to learn to write from. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you that that's not a book to learn to write from. That's a book to learn to read from. And then you have to, I mean, and I don't, I don't know that there is a good book to learn to yeah. write. So much of writing isn't something you learn in a traditional manner right there there's like structure stuff but the most important part of 
any writing instruction I ever did was having other people read my writing, not like someone telling me this is how you do this, right? Because mm -hmm. you, you sort of learn through the process as opposed to, it's not like learning math, right? And if you approach it that way, it's not going to work. The, in, the, the best skill I think a writer can have is the ability to be self-critical. Right. And that's not something you can teach. It's not something you can easily teach without just having someone criticize something else, which is why you want to be a reader and you want to have book discussions. You want to do those things. And then you, you sort of beginning on a personal level need to apply that to yourself until you get to the point where you're confident enough to put it out in front of other people. Yeah. You mean self-critical as in being able to identify the flaws or being open to the even being open to the possibility that there are flaws. I think, I think we've seen both of those things stand in the way of people being better writers. I think every one of us has seen that, mm -hmm. right? And I think you can see it in books that are published, right? This is part of the reason why I have kind of a disdain, I guess, for a lot of self-published stuff is you see people that just really are committed to an idea to the point that they're not willing to be flexible around it, right? And they're like, well, that's my vision. Well, your vision sucks, right? Mm -hmm. And then so like, there might be something good in there, right? There's probably something good in Magua's uh, whatever, right? But just, just having the idea is not enough, right? Right. Mm -hmm. You need to hone it. You need to work it. And it needs to become another thing. And the truth is, it's probably 16 layers away from whatever the actual good idea is, hmm. you know, but that's it takes the ability to sort of be ready to burn it all down. Right. And start again. Not just, you know, it, not, the, the world business is also the easy part. Right. Uh, the, the plot's a lot harder because you're when you're working with mechanics, you're working with mechanics. Right. You need to you need to write a plot and you need to kind of like press play on it and see how it plays out and then fine tune right and then go back and do it you need to kind of see the thing in motion yeah before you can do it mm -hmm. and if you anyone who says they have i mean obviously kids are kids and whatever but like anyone who says they have a five novel thing in mind is full of shit right they might they, they might, might have some post-its on the board yeah. yeah they might have enough story for one novel <laughs> Yeah, they smoosh I mean, usually not. Yeah, like George R. R. Martin, he doesn't know the end of that shit. He might now, but he didn't back then. Yeah, you know, because and even if he did, unless yeah. he's some kind of super brain genius, which he's not, like that's going to change by the time he gets there. Yeah, you know, right. And that's, I mean, it's not their fault. Like, I'm, I, I shouldn't, I should clarify that. Like, I'm not criticizing younger writers here and saying like how stupid they are, but more just, I'm, I'm more critical of the publishing industry, I guess, and the emphasis on what's the the the, the sort of the, putting that in front of their eyes is like what sells mm -hmm. so their impression of writing is oh you write these five novel arcs and it's like no you writing is different than that it's yeah. not that well it also becomes a snake eating its own tail because those those books are pushed so hard in school mm. yeah all those supernatural ya books and that's because and you know part of that is just cynical like let's sell shit to children mm. but part of that mm -hmm. like you see teachers dive on that shit Right, and that's because holy shit, this kid's willing to hold a book instead of a phone. It, yeah. Like, get it in their face, get it in their face. They like, they like this, right. right? And keep going, and then it sort of becomes, and you know, that's how trends work. And maybe who knows? Everyone's going to look back at this shit as like literary classics in fifty years. Who knows? Because things things change. But I don't know. Yeah, I, and I think a, a lot of those YA series would be useful to to study if you studied the entire series as one arc like because hmm. so many of them the trilogies especially they are broken up into three acts and you're 
first book is only the first act. Right. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Dave, you got anything? Well, I'm starting to think that one of mine might be the fact that I do think that there's a lot to learn about writing from <laughs> that Saunders <Sonders>. book, which <laughs> I didn't know until this discussion was going to be a hot take, but I'll save that for when the time comes. But I, maybe, I mean, maybe sort of by extension, or at least extending on some of what this has been about, I might suggest that MFA in writing programs should be closed off to anyone, let's say, younger than 26. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe so. For reasons that we've or talked about, including the fact off. that... <laughs> <laughs> just entirely. We're just closed off. Sorry, what were you saying, Dave? I mean, we, and we've talked about it before. It's just they... They grow up, go through the K through 12, and then right off to undergrad, and then right off to these programs, and they haven't spent time being adults, having right. experiences kind of beyond that. And then we've talked about the effect. I mean, we've talked to death about the effect that has. Right. Yeah. Some kind of reconfiguring of the MFA program as like a sort of long-term adult education program where you get a job and begin to live your life and have your heart broken and do stuff like that. And then you're checking in every once in a while with a writer's workshop and you're mm -hmm. looking at what you've done and sort of how your writing mm -hmm. has changed over time, as opposed to a three, two or three year immersive live in a cash grab. Yeah. Like live in a cloister community with a bunch of other people who are like you, who are doing the same thing, who are only writing about writers and yeah. you produce early work. Which at the time I appreciated it immensely, but sure. I mean, this podcast is an outgrowth of our experience yeah. at MFA school yeah. socially. But if we're thinking about the, what would benefit writers more, it might be a bit different in terms of what we consider education looking like. Yeah, yeah. I think that especially with novels, I think it's so hard to do to work on a novel in the workshop because yeah, what, you, what do you read the first the first chapter, the first two chapters? Those are the easiest chapters to write, right? And you don't you don't really learn anything until you finish the novel and then you have to go back and make it make sense as a whole right. mm -hmm. work but that's that's so hard to work on in a class like how many times is somebody gonna read your entire novel like i don't think anybody did that at any point nope. in our mfa class no definitely not yeah no it's tough for sure absolutely it's a solitary process like a yeah as much as i agree with break that like it's you have to have people read it so they give you feedback it's still it's it's not really a yeah. community project to write a novel it's a you got to figure it out on your own and and then show someone what you've done and then take feedback and yeah do it again i mean what made the most sense to me as far as that in the saunders thing was when he talks about his like energy meter and how he just mm -hmm. goes back and just tries to tell if he's enjoying yeah a given part and then if he's not he has to work on it if he is then maybe that's good enough. Yeah. Yep. But it's yeah, it's just completely personal. And you have to calibrate like your own sense of taste. Yeah. And one of the things I like about that, that book is that he does talk a lot about sort of becoming your own reader. And like you have to sort of like mm -hmm. understand what a reader wants and how an audience is going to receive your text in order to even think about writing it in the first place. Yeah. But that um, reader also has to be you because otherwise how are you going to... Right. If you don't you care, no, who else is going to care? Yeah. And yeah. If, you're gonna, if you're trying to write for somebody else, it's like... How, how the how right. how are you doing it yeah are there other, other takes you want to wants to share no now we've recorded saunders part two before <laughs> part one <laughs> go back it's yeah fine. it's be interesting to record part one now well listeners talk to us on twitter at yak babies and give us your responses to our hot takes or give us your own hot takes so we can digest them and then steal them as our own or email us at yakbabiespodcast at gmail.com with your thoughts and, and engage with us there of course, go to patreon.com slash jackbabies and access our bonus podcast where tons of stuff's happening there. So much fun. Games, 
Confessions, Bro to Bros, and also two big events recently. Actually, three big events. Gosh. One was the Monster Draft. Monster Draft 3 happened. That's great. That's a really fun one. And then two is the candy tournament, the all-time Halloween candy tournament, the bracket that we did, three-hour podcast where we ate all the candy and talked about it. Very controversial episode. And then a whole series of episodes on 101 Ghost Jokes Ranked. God I don't know what it's going to look like. Marathon. <laughs> we just recorded it today. We have no idea what it's actually going to look like when it comes into your feed. It will come to your feed for sure at some point if you're on the Patreon. It's wild. It, it's a journey into the heart of madness for people going in diff- coming in going in one way and coming out different 100%. Listen to that for sure. I think you'll like that. Only for $1. Gosh, $1 a month is all we're asking for all that. TidyYearOld.com slash JackieBB so we can get our merch. There's t-shirts, posters, and mugs there. They're all very fun. Designed by Brick. Good work on all those. Tell a friend. Tell a friend, a listener, a family member who likes literature, who wants to write. Tell them to listen to this episode and see what they think. And then uh, 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 grow the fan base that way. Until then, Yak Babies, yakking off. The Yak Babies would like to thank all their loyal listeners, and especially their patrons, both past and present, including Michael, Bonnie, Sebastian, David, Roger, Kathleen, Bailey, Andrew, and William Howard Taft. (laughs) 